2: check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite
1: podcasts.
2: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and let them know that Lockdown sent you. James, Joe Burrow spoke with Chris Collinsworth for a pretty solid amount of time, about a 30-minute podcast on Tuesday night. And obviously, as I said yesterday, when Joe Burrow talks, we listen, and then we talk about what Joe Burrow had to talk about. And he had some pretty interesting things to say to Chris Collinsworth about what's going on in Cincinnati, about his rehab, about how he's been involved or not so involved in the draft process, about the, the Philadelphia Eagles story and how he seemed to win over the respect of the Philadelphia Eagles defense. So we'll get into some of that stuff and some of the notes he had on Jamar Chase And one of his fellow receivers, Terrace Marshall at LSU. There's some medical news about him out there today. And after that, Duke Tobin addressed Bengals media today, politely declined to answer the most interesting questions. As of course, he's trying to play things close to the vest with the draft around the corner. But as always with Duke, there are things to talk about. And so we will wrap up the show with a retrospective on Duke Tobin's presser this morning. But James... Let's start with Joe. Joe Burrow ahead of schedule, according to him. He's optimistic, which means Duke Tobin's optimistic. He thinks that he's going to be ready to go. He thinks he's going to be rolling out soon. He did say that he's not rolling out yet. He's taking dropbacks. He's doing the play action stuff for the on-field part of the rehab. He's running, but he's not throwing on the run yet, apparently, according to him. So that just gives you an idea of where he's at in the rehab process. He says he's ahead of schedule. Describes it as a nine-month process, and they're about halfway through those nine
0: months. It's great news. (laughs) Great news. Any update, like I said, is is great when it's a positive one like this with Burrow. And you could feel how determined he is. And from really his first public comments, I'm going to be back week one. Going to be back week one. And he says it and says it and says it. And I actually think that's one of the things, and we're going to get to the other stuff from Duke, that was telling is Zach Taylor's kind of dodged it when we've been able to talk with him and Duke. This was the first time. And I think it was because just Joe Burrow came out and said it. He said, well, if he's optimistic, I'm optimistic. And th- that, that part of it is good. And, and they are starting to get to, I think a point in the rehab where Joe feels like things are moving along. He said, he's squatting now lifting. So, and, and that's like lifting full lifts and and stuff like that. So that's just, it's great to see and um you you hope that it continues to trend in this direction because he always says this and it's kind of a little disclaimer he says no setbacks but setbacks can happen and we just hope he he avoids any potential setbacks as he continues to ramp things up.
3: Yeah, things are going well. It sounds like. I mean, he's been consistent on this. He's always been a guy from the start where you know, we talked about this when he first got hurt that of all the guys to, to grind through this rehab and to come out of it as determined as ever, Joe Burrow has that personality. He is serious. He said this to Collinsworth. He's serious about his business. His business is football. Even if his first love is basketball, his business is football, he, he's taken this rehab deathly serious. And he's going to do everything in his power to get back. Even if his parents want him to take a day off in Florida and go to Disney World and smell the flowers, Joe wants to do the work. And we've, we've always known that about his personality. He's throwing to equipment managers out there. He's going to be able to throw to wide receivers here pretty soon in the future. He might throw to Chris Collinsworth. Collinsworth said he'd dust off the cleats and come run some real slow routes for Joe Burrow. So you know what? That would be fun to watch. I wouldn't mind seeing that on Bengal social media. Elizabeth Blackburn, if you're listening, easy content for you right there. Uh, another interesting thing that I think Joe talked about today, James, before we get to the Jamar Chase stuff, was really effusive, strong support for Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, his quarterbacks coach, Dan Pitcher. And it was support to the point where Collinsworth kind of paused the interview and said, hold on. Nobody's, nobody knows who Zach Taylor is. People know he coached with, with Sean McVay, but what is it about him that has you so so connected? What is it that sells you on Zach Taylor? And, and Burrow was all
0: in. Very smart by Zach Taylor. It, it, because if, if anything is going to get him through 625 and 1, It's having the franchise guy on your side. And the thing that Burrow praised was he called him egoless. And basically to me, especially with an offensive-minded coach like this, when you come in and you have this star quarterback, that means that Taylor's been extremely flexible with Burrow and tried to do some of what Burrow not only wanted, but when Burrow comes up with something new or makes a suggestion – that they're open to it and that he's not saying, hey, man, I'm the next Sean McVay or I'm the next hot thing. You're listening to me and this is my system. And it's very believable and it's it's smart. And if I'm Zach Taylor, the one guy I want in my corner in this organization outside of Mike Brown, and maybe even including Mike Brown, is Joe Burrow because he's the future. He's the present. He's, he's what this organization is revolving around and building around. And so if you have number nine's endorsement, going to go a long way for your future and uh, that's a big reason why I think Zach's back in in year three and Burrow clearly believes that they could turn things around this season.
3: It doesn't mean Joe Burrow is necessarily right but you are correct that for Zach Taylor's longevity a connection with his quarterback is important and we see that we saw this we talk about it with Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens obviously Kitchens wasn't ready for the job and you know Kevin Stefanski came in and Baker had one of his best years if not his best year. Uh, coming off of, you know, he had, a, he had a good rookie year too, but obviously the Browns won a playoff game. And, you know, that that offensive play caller quarterback connection is important. The, the lack of ego, the way you talk about it, James, also important. And that lines up with what Brian Callahan told us about how the game plan comes together and how the install really goes through Burrow. And Burrow has all of that input on sequencing and on plays that he likes and he doesn't like against certain looks that they expect to get. And I think that that collaborative process as Burrow is growing in the NFL and learning the ropes is important because I do think that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and Dan pitcher are all guys that understand what NFL quarterbacks need to learn. So I think Burrow has good teachers. It's just a matter of if they can put the team together around him and if they can execute on game day, because I saw a stat this week that said, you know, the Bengals have led in 24 games under Zach Taylor. They've only won six of them. And that's the fewest wins for having led in that many games ever. I mean, that, that's historic ineptitude in, in closing games. And so if that can turn around, if they can get a little healthier, if they can clean some stuff up, this thing could turn around in a hurry with Joe Burrow, with Joe Burrow taking a step with the deep passing game taking a step. And Joe Burrow talked to Collinsworth about the deep passing game. And in that context, also Jamar Chase. We'll get into some of those comments coming up next.
0: There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. And as the cold sweeps through the Midwest here in mid-April, it might give your car some trouble. Well, rockauto.com can help. We've talked about rockauto.com for a long time. You're on Locked On Bengals. We've used them because it helps keep me on the road. I bought a Toyota Corolla last year, and guess what? I had to get new air filters for it, and it could be something that simple that you can do it yourself with rockauto.com. They make it extremely convenient. And Whether it's windshield washer fluid or something much more serious, and you're going to pop the engine out and do a real serious auto work and auto maintenance on your car, rockauto.com can help. They've served auto parts customers online for more than two decades. You need to go to rockauto.com right now and check out everything they have to offer and you're gonna save money while you do it. So you avoid the trip to the big box store, you can shop from the comfort of your own home and you're gonna save money doing it. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure to write Locked On in there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Joe Burrow had a lot to say on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, and one of the things that that Jake referenced was the deep ball in Jamar Chase. And in first, it's been a theme, Jake, since January, since Joe Burrow made those first public comments, at least with the Cincinnati media since his injury. He said the one thing he wants to improve on this offseason is the deep ball, which is pretty hard to do, I would say, given uh, that he's recovering from a torn ACL and MCL but that's something he's talked about over the past couple of months. It came up again on Collinsworth's podcast. And he said, yeah, we for some reason it didn't click, and we needed it to click. And naturally, it, and we'll get into what he said about Chase, but you wonder if if Chase is that missing link because that downfield connection they had in 2019 at LSU was special.
3: That's the same exact point that that Collinsworth brought up referencing Joe's numbers, quote unquote, the PFF numbers. And it's always fun for me when he starts talking about the PFF grades and the PFF stats to the players themselves because the players don't care. I mean, unless I guess they're really, really good. I know Willie Anderson, for example, like loves the PFF stuff, wishes that it was around when he was playing. But, you know, Collinsworth is telling Joe, hey, 20 yards and under, you were among the best in the league. 20 yards and over at LSU, you were among the best we'd ever seen. And that kind of led into the conversation around, like, why wasn't the deep ball working? And Joe was saying, you know, for whatever reason, we couldn't figure it out. And that dovetails right into the Jamar Chase conversation, as you said, James. And Joe had effusive praise for his former teammate. And of course he would. I mean, he was asked about Justin Jefferson. And Collinsworth was trying to find out, you know, were you surprised? to see how good he was. And Joe's like, no, I knew that Justin was a special player. And I, I totally believe him when he says that, right? Like he played with the guy at LSU for years, two years, and and then Jamar Chase outproduced him. And even though Justin Jefferson was in that slot position that the LSU offense really seems to love to feature, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow had this insane connection on deep balls. I think I've talked about the stats on the podcast before the efficiency, the yards per play, the touchdown connections, just so much production from Joe Burrow to Jamar chase 20 plus
0: yards downfield. They were insane. And that's, that's why despite the, the wondering of, of in the need for speed all of that you consider a guy like Chase at five, because there's some out there, and I wouldn't necessarily argue because I get the, the point. Add a Jalen waddle to the Bengals offense. that's the missing link, just that downfield burner. But the difference is is Chase, even though he might not be considered a burner, he just wins downfield and he finds a way to get separation. And that's the thing that stood out to me so much about Burrow here. Is he really kind of unleashed on Chase? In a good way, just his praise was higher on the, the Chris Collinsworth podcast than we at least that I than I've heard since he's talked about it this offseason. And there's been multiple times where he's gone out of his way and said nice things about Jamar Chase. But from him describing them as great friends to Burrow saying, quote, he's a lot like me. He was in there every Saturday with me throwing, getting up early. He's that kind of guy. He's a great person, great dude, great player. He's going to have a long, very good, successful career. And then he even talked about the separation, right? We've talked about that, the concern about Chase's ability uh, to get separation. And he said certain receivers just have a way of getting separation at the top of the route, whether they're accelerating past them or get it, they get a little push, whatever it is. And he's got that ability to just run past people. And just th- those words... It, 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 was, it was telling to me and it, I, I just I wonder what kind of recommendation he gave the Bengals about Jamar Chase if he was willing to praise him like this publicly. What did he say to Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, all of the, the Bengals coaches and, and front office personnel when they asked him about Chase?
3: Yeah, I mean, he talked about Chase having a great feel for beating man. He talked about him having a great feel for beating zone. He talked about him as a complete wide receiver. But he also did say, you know, he's not watching tape. He's leaving it to the front office, guys. I'm sure if he was asked, he was happy to go into some specifics. I mean, James, you talked about this before we started recording. When Brian Callahan talked to us about the receivers that the Bengals are interested in, he's talking about guys that can work at the pace of the quarterback. And when Joe Burrow saying he's in there with me, first in last out and he's putting in the work with me and the impression that we got, and we've talked about this on the show before that Jamar chase is going to have that AJ green brand of work ethic rather than the Terrell Owens brand of diva to his (laughs) game that, that all fits our priors, right? Everything Joe Burrow is saying about Jamar chase fits the priors. I imagine the feedback to the scouts, to the coaches was probably more granular than, yeah, he wins at the top of his routes. He probably is talking about specific play calls, specific route concepts, specific reads. The the way they attack certain coverages at LSU because they they incorporated a lot of that into the offense in Cincinnati. So, I imagine the conversation about Jamar Chase is talking about, all right, if we plug him in where we had AJ on this play, is is he going to be able how does he read this play? How did you guys run this play at LSU? What were your successes? What were your issues? What are the things that you know you needed to work on with him to catch him up? What were the things that you know he was right there with you on? I, I bet that's probably what the conversation was like. It's not something I've really thought about before, but as I talk about it, it makes a lot of sense to me anyway that, that they could get to that level of specificity with the amount of LSU staples the Bengals incorporated in their offense.
0: And that's the thing. You're looking at a coaching staff here. And that needs to win. (laughs) They absolutely need to win and they know they need to win. And they have this resource, this tool in Burrow that can describe all of that, that knows how Chase is going to read each and every little concept dating back to their LSU days, right? I mean, because he had Chase as a freshman. He had Chase as a sophomore, his his entire two-year college career since he opted out of 2020, and that's just such a valuable, valuable resource uh, from an X's and O standpoint, from a body language standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint, all of that, especially because it's coming from Burrow, a guy you trust. And again, I'm not saying it's the end all be all. And obviously Burrow is biased. He says it's a great friend. At the same time, I think he's honest enough where, I mean, think about it. Burrow is his own biggest critic. I'm, I'm sure he's a uh, critical of certain things that Jamar does, and knows that there are areas that Jamar could get better at and improve on. So, I I, I do wonder how, what that conversation was like, and that would be that would be one that I would want to see if we could somehow get uh, get tape on that and run that back.
3: Man, imagine the you know NFL Films piece in fifteen <laughs> years, the Jamar Chase Joe Burrow retrospective. They won three Super Bowls together. And this is how it started. And there's a video of of Duke Tobin, Mike Brown, Joe Burrow sitting in the Bengals boardroom, watching tape, talking about, you know, this is how we ran sale at LSU. And this is what we asked Jamar to do. This is how we asked him to bend his route on that post and, and, you know, cut forward to the future. Man, that would be, I'm just full of good ideas. Elizabeth, again, here's some more content for you to plan for the future, because we know, I mean, we're pretty sure that the Bengals are picking Jamar Chase, right? Like that's what we believe is happening at this point, if he's available. And given that perhaps all of this conversation is academic and, and truly the conversations with ownership, with the decision makers, with Joe Burrow has been, you know, about the nitty gritty because Joe has worked this stuff with Jamar Chase and the, the offense could be very similar between the NFL and the pros. But while we believe that Jamar Chase is the guy, the national media isn't necessarily there yet. That's certainly the Mm -hmm. case. And a bunch of Cincinnati journalists tried to get it out of Duke Tobin today and Duke wouldn't bite. But as always, James, there are interesting things to talk about whenever Duke makes one of his one or two or three yearly addresses to the media. We'll get into those comments coming up next betonline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. There aren't games to bet on right now. I know that, but we've talked about football futures and they've got great draft props from Jamar Chase. His over-under in the draft set at six today. Penny Sewell's draft over-under set at five and a half, so a little bit higher than Chase. Kyle Pitts, five and a half as well. Both of those guys, according to betonline.ag, are expected to go ahead of Jamar Chase, or at least that's what they want you to think, to drive those bets. And if you've been listening to this podcast, maybe that six over under for Jamar Chase is really attractive to you, because even if we're wrong and he goes one more pick, well, maybe the Dolphins will take him anyway. They also cover awards, TV shows, reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds. They've got props on other, other stuff too, almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for news and scores, the best place to place your bets and it's free to sign up. We've got a 50% welcome bonus for you right now. Use promo code locked on, and you'll get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
3: Cincinnati media got together on zoom on Wednesday, Duke Tobin on the other end, the center of attention and Cincinnati media, yourself included, James tried to bleed a stone and you didn't get a whole lot. I mean, you asked him a question such as, you know, how many special players are there in that top tier of player for you in this draft class? After Duke Tobin said, you know, we don't want to move out of that tier where we're going to move down on our board out of our blue chippers. In response to, you know, Ben Baby, he would say, you know, I'm not going to say where that threshold is or probably is a pick we don't want to go past, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. He told you, I'm not going to answer that right now. I'm not going to give any hints. You know, Jeff Hobson asked him, you know, historically, do you think it's harder to get a tackle or a wide receiver? Duke said, well, it's a really elegant way to put the question, but I'm not going to tell you who we like more between Sewell and Chase. And uh, that was the gist of the press conference. But there was some interesting
0: stuff too, right? There was, there was, absolutely. And uh, it, it is funny, that exchange with Jeff Hobson. One, my man, Butch, and I love Jeff, and I'll tell him this, don't try to lead him down the way of the tackle. He was like, oh, it's, it's tackle, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I was cracking up, and I knew Duke wasn't going to answer. And I, I knew Duke probably wasn't going to answer my question, and he didn't. And I, I actually looked it up. He said, um, quote, I probably won't answer that in a firm way. And then he continued. (laughs) So he is really good at evading. But uh, the the things that, to me, were interesting is his comments about the individual players. He actually talked about Jamar Chase directly, talked about Pene Sewell directly, and he was at both of those pro days. And he he praised both players, and it may may be, you know, you, you might take that with a grain of salt. But to me... That was an important piece here is getting to meet both guys, talk to both guys, see how they look in person, because you can do a lot of things virtually and look a certain way. Hell, half the time I do these Zoom calls, I have a button up on in gym shorts, right? And you can't see my lower half. And we've all done that since the pandemic started, right? So um, I don't think that the interview process, based on just how he talked and and you could kind of read between the lines, I don't think the interview process of the pro days uh, hurt Sewell or Chase at all. And I think it was more of uh, just reaffirming what the Bengals saw on tape.
3: And that's what you expect Pro Days to be for the most part. I thought it was interesting what he said, had to say about opt-outs. Didn't seem like you know he thought it was really going to hurt some of the guys after going through the process. And specifically for Chase and Sewell, he said that both of those guys made good use of their time. Right, Both of those guys got into better shape, worked on... Certain athleticism traits, talked about Sewell having great size, talked about Chase having a good workout. And those guys, both being opt outs, I found it interesting when put in conjunction with what he had to say about the opt outs in general.
0: yeah, he he said that you know it, it was uh, it makes it a little more challenging because there's less film. He called it, quote, problematic, and it can leave you wanting to see a little bit more. But then he said, quote, those won't be decisions we choose not to take a guy based on them opting out. And I think that's the part of it is he knows everyone's dealing with this. That doesn't mean that Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell both opt out or Sean Slater opt out that they're not going to end up being great players in the NFL. It just makes it a little more challenging, I think, to evaluate them. And you question a little bit more and you probably dig a little bit deeper because you have less film to study. and And that's. Just part of it and, and something that all of these NFL teams are going through. And one other thing that stood out to me, Jake, about this, uh, this interview here is when he was asked about the rebuild, like going into year three of the Bengals rebuild, he was very direct and mm-hmm. saying, we want to win. Every year it doesn't change. We have goals like every team has goals. The number one goal is to win. And he said it, win, 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 win. And then I followed up with the fifth pick. Because as you and I talked about, I think it was last week, right? There's this narrative about, oh, well, Sewell's the long-term play, Chase's the short-term win play. And I don't think either one is, is true. And I think we both agree there that both can be both, uh, regardless of who they take at five. But he said that anybody we take at five, plug-and-play starter. He said the expectation is he's going to come in immediately and help us win and play a big role. That's the expectation. So I think those two things... They go hand in hand and whoever they take. And whether you're Team Sewell, Team Pitts, Team Chase, whoever they end up taking at five, they think it's going to give them the best chance to win in 2021 and beyond.
3: And I think that just tells you that Duke is very, very confident in their evals at the top of this draft. They feel like they're going to get one of the one or two best non-quarterback players in this class. And I've talked a lot about the idea of trading back, James, adding picks, not being overconfident in your evaluations, taking more swings, And Duke's talking about, you know, we don't want to miss on the tier we're in. And I think there's something to that. If you're certainly very confident in your evals this year, if they think they know what they're getting, well, you know, you just hope you're right, obviously. And and they think they're right. But that is a, a pretty interesting bit that you point out there, because that kind of tells you it's going to take a lot for them to move. You know, he did say he's open to calls. He He's talking about some hypotheticals. He's expecting to to field calls on draft nights after they see who goes at picks, you know, two, three, four. But it sounds like it'll take a lot for them to move. And that's pretty consistent from the last time we heard from Duke, really all off season as to what we expected their approach to be at the top of the first round.
0: And I like it. You know, because if they end up getting one of these premier players, the next Whitworth, the next Green, we'll just stick with those two. Regardless, And then it's a great idea to stand pat. And we've seen a lot of trade downs not work, where the these teams trade down and they get a bunch of players, and then you look back five years later, and you're like, that's what they got with all those picks? Mm-hmm. And so you're right. I do think for sure that probably the biggest takeaway, it's going to take a lot for the Bengals to move. They're not going to move that far, and they believe in these prospects. And even if Chase isn't there or even if Sewell isn't there, they like the other one enough to probably stand pat and take him.
3: I think so. I think so. The last thing that I'll mention from the presser that that caught my attention, James, and I'm sure there's stuff that maybe we're we're missing here, but – He says that he expects the team to address offensive line at some point in the draft. He was asked, you know, are you happy with where the offensive line is at right now? And after taking a moment to praise the guys they had in the building, he said, I expect we're going to bring somebody in at some point, right? And it might be in the draft. It might be additional free agents. It might be both. It's probably both. But they're not resting on their laurels on the offensive line. We're not seeing them approach this the way we saw them approach it last year where, you know, instead of we're going to add somebody, it was, we're really optimistic. We're bullish on the guys. We have a different answer this year from Duke Tobin on the offensive line
0: heading into the draft. No doubt. No doubt. And that, that should ease the minds of the people like losing their minds about the concerns of, of Joe Burrow and them trying to protect, Burrow. And that's the thing with the Bengals is like, they've tried to get the offensive line right. And I, I guess some are going to be like, well, you can't trust their evaluations. And that's fair because they've gotten a lot wrong, but they tried. I mean, they were proactive with the boy. and Fisher bust bust. The Cordy Glenn trade didn't work out. Billy price didn't work out. Jonah Williams, I think is going to work out, but you've only seen him play 10 games. So they've invested assets. It just, it hasn't worked out. And I, I think that this is the draft where like hell let me ask you this why, why the hell not billy price would be like a third round pick in this draft <laughs> like he there's no way he would be uh nearly as high as he went in 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 the bengals overdrafted him in 18 anyways but it's it's a deep class and yeah it might not be as deep at center but i still think he's probably at best a third rounder in this class
3: yeah that's uh it's tough to look back at that one with with the benefit of hindsight biasing my take at this point. I I think that he might be, might be a second rounder in this class, but I think that he was probably, you know, a second rounder in his class too. And so then, yeah, if he was a second rounder in his class at the Bengals overdrafted, maybe a little bit because they really wanted to address the center position. Then, you know, maybe second, third fringe could make sense in a really strong offensive line class this year but at this point James that's neither here nor there and that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast Duke Tobin comments commented on Joe Burrow talked we listened we talked about the most interesting things he had to say and now his input might be shaping the Bengals decision at number five we're back tomorrow with our last mailbag before the NFL draft a week away from that number five pick being announced by Roger Goodell for those Cincinnati Bengals until tomorrow Bengals fans. When we do our last mailbag before the draft who day and have a good one.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage, this off season, look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast.